Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and I'm the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I'm also the executive director of the International Outreach and Disciple-Making Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. For the last 30 years, we've had ministry expressions in over 70 countries. You can learn more about the effective manner in which we're raising up national evangelists, disciple-makers, and church planters by going to traincpe.org. I hope you will. Your prayers, your gifts are used of God to sustain this work. Now, for today's lesson, we are considering the words of judgment that Elijah pronounced over Ahab and his household in 1 Kings chapter 21. This ministry of speaking judgment is to be taken seriously. It's a warning from God to those who are edging ever closer to the precipice of eternal ruin. It's a message that is already beeping in the back of every person's conscience. The Holy Spirit is at work, and the Word of God says He is convicting people of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Christian is to join this work. It's a divine work of God. We do this most effectively when we share our own stories of salvation and our escape from judgment into life. And we do it also as we live our lives, having found forgiveness and eternal life, still preparing for judgment. We know that we will one day meet Christ as our judge, not for punishment, but for a final purifying fire over our flesh. This knowledge actually inspires us now, through the Spirit of God, to put to death any deeds done in the flesh. When a person who confidently expresses freedom from God's judgment and punishment also lives preparing to meet the judge and does so joyfully, it adds to the awareness of judgment and those who have yet been freed from their sins and their guilt. Now God calls us to this ministry for one reason above all others, so that those brought under the fear of judgment might turn to the mercy of God and find it in Jesus Christ. This is what it says we do in the result of all those things. It says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Just the anticipation of seeing Jesus one day and being in his presence, having the last vestiges of sin and self swept away from your life, inspires you who love him and know him to even now address that self and that sin and by God's grace seek to sweep as much of it away from your life now as possible. That act of, in a sense, preparing yourself for that time when you'll come into Christ's presence and when all that will be purged and cleansed away causes you even now to do as much purging as you can and proclaiming that through Jesus Christ you found forgiveness in heaven is an irritant to those who still live in their own compromised life of sin. But then to go from that proclamation to pursuing a pure life, not to get to heaven, mind you, but because you know you're going there, it's almost too much for them to take. They're just trying too hard, trying to make us look bad. The unsaved person lives with a conscience that causes them to fear. The unsaved person, the Bible says that. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is working on the unbeliever to convict them of sin and righteousness, their lack of righteousness, and of judgment that's coming before them. You believe what God's Word says. It's happening. The person who's smiling all the time and tells you he has no fear is overcompensating. He does. He does. God's Word says that he does. The unsaved person holds off that conviction either by ignoring their own feelings and failings or by trying hard to make up for them with a good deed here and a good deed there, hoping, 
telling themselves that it will be enough in the end to gain some positive eternal reward. This, they believe, is the humble thing to do. Hope that they can somehow save themselves with a few good deeds and thoughts to just try to do their best and hope that it is the best. Christian, your confidence in heaven gained through faith in Jesus Christ and at the same time your continued pursuit of holiness and purity only exposes their own fears and their own awareness of judgment. This being prepared for judgment and also preparing for it is a proclamation of judgment to those around you. Here's the third thing I have you notice, and it's this. The ministry of judgment places us at odds with those who are still facing it. It's kind of what we're already saying. Ahab was not glad to see Elijah. Have you found me, O my enemy? He wasn't too happy. We have to be careful that we're never obnoxious or unloving or judgmental in our spirit or harsh with other people, but we also have to recognize that we can't be silent either. Our lips and our lives have to speak. And we know that this message from our lips and our lives is not going to be happily received, at least not initially, because it reminds people of the judgment that they're trying to push away from their own consciences. A person comes to Christ and follows him. He still loves his friends. He still actually cares for them. He wants to be with them. He still lives among them. They receive him initially until they figure out what's happened in their lives. Something's changed. And then all of a sudden, they don't want to eat at the same table with him anymore. They don't want to be with him as much. He thinks, well, I'm, I'm the same person. I haven't changed. I still care for him. I still love them. What's going on? Well, they're under judgment. Your lips and your life and your testimony and your joy and the release and peace that pervades your life and your desire to live holy and pure is just a statement too strong for them to bear in the moment and it places you at odds with those who are still facing that judgment. Here's the fourth thing. The ministry of judgment, it's the last thing here. The ministry of judgment aims for mercy. The ministry of judgment aims for mercy. Let's look at 1 Kings 21 verse 29 again. After all this, Here's what God comes back and says to Elijah. After Elijah has gone and pronounced all this judgment, and by the way, from this you see that not all prophecy is sure, that some prophecies are contingent upon responses, that God can prophesy something and not carry it out, and the person's not a false prophet. God will not carry out some prophecies because there is the appropriate response to what's been prophesied. God can prophesy blessing on an individual and if that person takes that promise of blessing and becomes arrogant and proud and presumptuous, and God can remove that blessing. God can prophesy cursings on a person, and if that person will humble himself and repent, God can remove that prophecy. God now comes back to Elijah and says, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he humbles himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days, will I bring the evil upon his house? There's still a consequence for this. The prophets understood that proclaiming judgment from God was for the purpose of offering mercy and forgiveness from God. They understood that. That is, by the way, why Jonah ran the opposite direction when God told him to go to Nineveh and pronounce his judgment on the city. Jonah understood something. Nineveh was the capital city of his enemy, Jonah had actually relieved, received a level of celebrity in Israel because he had pronounced curses upon Nineveh that had been fulfilled. And everybody thought, well, isn't Jonah great? 
What a wonderful prophet. And now God comes to Jonah and says, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to proclaim my judgment against that city. And Jonah doesn't want to go because he knows if they repent, God will relent and show them mercy. He knows that the pronouncement of judgment is prefaced to the declaration of mercy to those who receive it and repent. And he doesn't want God to relent. He doesn't want God to withhold his judgment upon Nineveh. And so Jonah runs in the opposite direction. And we know the story. God doesn't let Jonah run. God catches him on the ship that he's taking away in the opposite direction. God has him cast in the sea. God has him swallowed up by a fish. God has him spat up right in the place where he needs to be to go to Nineveh. Jonah walks through Nineveh proclaiming for three days. In three days, this city will be overthrown. And we're told in the book of Jonah that the people believed God. They proclaimed a fast. And the king of the city repented. And the city was spared. And Jonah was mad. He didn't want it to happen. He did not want that evil city spared of God. Jonah had been rewarded in the past by his fellow countrymen for cursing Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to lose his position and his status. That was more important to him than their lives and their saving. That they would think well, that someone would think highly and well of him was more important. He wanted his own benefit instead of theirs. Here's our conclusion. If you want to see people brought to God's mercy, you're going to have to tell them about God's judgment. It's going to have to be presented to them as you share the gospel of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ and your confession of hope that was found as you believed and trusted in him. It's going to have to be communicated as you communicate your own awareness one day of being under that judgment and God's wrath and how you found escape from that judgment and wrath because you realized it had been poured out on Jesus in your place and you received the gift of his salvation and his death in your place and you believed in him. If you're unwilling to proclaim God's judgment on this way, on a person because of their sin. You may be doing it like Jonah because deep down inside you're more interested in your own perceived benefits and what people will think of you rather than what they're facing and the mercy that God wants to extend to them if they would escape and flee it. Let us proclaim the gospel of hope that is ours. Then let us live preparing to face the judgment of God so that we can carry out before others the ministry of judgment, so that they might realize the ministry of mercy and grace through Jesus Christ. Today there are a lot of people who are hyped up over the idea of perceived injustices in our community. They're quickly making determinations about mistakes that are being made by our government or other governments in this world, in our community. Half the people think you're crazy if you wear a mask and half the people think that you're selfish if you don't. What is our answer to be when we speak to people like that? Instead of getting down into all those things, maybe the answer should be something like this. I don't always know what we should do, but God does. God knows the hearts of all people, and God knows your heart too. And he will one day make known everything that he knows about you, and he'll judge you justly. Are you ready to face him? I am, and here's why. And we carry forth the ministry of judgment. Let's bow our heads. From our lives, dear God, we're reminded in this moment in time the importance of being liberal 
and effusive to proclaim and declare and live out the reason for the hope that's within us. That we are of all people not to live in fear, but in hope and anticipation and joy. There, we are to live in the time of the shift, shifting sands that are moving all around us as though we're seated upon and standing upon a rock that cannot be moved in the midst of the storm. Lord, the storm is real. It reveals your sifting of the nations. It reveals you are still holding people to account and you are still the judge and justice one day will be unleashed upon nations and upon individuals. And oh God, in contrast to that, what peace is ours, what hope is ours, what joy is ours, what supreme confidence is ours. God help us to declare it to others and live it out. They so, they so need to hear these things. Lord help us to risk the greater condemnation that they will come under in that moment and the sense of judgment that will be theirs. Oh God use it to stir them up to the mercy that you would pour out upon them and that we have received through Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest to you two websites you can visit. First, go to traincpe.org to learn about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. And to learn more about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.